Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Pittsburgh Ballet Theater School is training the next generation of professional dancers by providing ballet and dance education of the highest caliber that prepares students for professional careers in dance. PBT's school focuses on the dancer as a whole person and nurturing them into creative, confident, and well-rounded individuals. They welcome students of all levels, interests, and backgrounds, and foster an equitable and inclusive environment. The school features individualized men's programming, emphasis on whole dancer health, Nurtured student choreography opportunities offers international students visas as well as a wide array of performing opportunities. Full scholarships are available for men's training, including year-round tuition from September through May, two-week company experience workshops, five-week intensive summer program, and more. Pittsburgh Ballet Theater School's intensive summer program runs from June 25th to July 29th. Auditions are held across the country January 7th through February 12th with a virtual audition on January 13th. Learn more about Pittsburgh Ballet Theater School and their intensive summer program at pbt.org or click the link in the description of this episode. If you're in the Houston area, see Dance Theater of Harlem with Performing Arts Houston on February 3rd and 4th. Visit the Performing Arts Houston website to learn more about the performance and other upcoming shows, including four multidisciplinary world premieres by Houston artists Anthony Brandt, J.E. Hernandez, Vivalda Dula, and Tazim Zahida. All four new works will be presented in festival format at New Now, the Houston Artist Commissioning Project, on February 24th and 25th. Tickets are available at performingartshouston.org. Welcome to Conversations on Dance. Before we get started, be sure to subscribe to the podcast through your favorite app to be automatically notified of new episodes when they go live. While you are there, please take a moment to leave us a review. Leaving a review takes just a second and goes a long way in helping us grow the podcast and supports us in this endeavor. We appreciate you joining us today. Now, let's get to the episode. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. (laughs) 
On today's episode of Conversations on Dance, we are joined by choreographer and incoming artistic director of Dance Theater of Harlem, Robert Garland. Robert began his dance training in Philadelphia, where he first saw DTH perform as a child. He continued his training at Juilliard before joining DTH as a company member. He eventually reached the rank of principal and began work in various leadership roles as a teacher and choreographer. We talked to Robert about having a legendary Arthur Mitchell as a mentor, the wide range of his choreographic inspirations, and his appointment in June 2023 to artistic director of the company he has long called home. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We have so many exciting things to um, get to talking with you about, but we always start with our guests about their origins in dance. So we'd be curious to hear a little bit about how you first became interested in ballet and what got you into it. You know, when I was um, uh, about seven or eight years old, a very, very new, newly formed dancer of Harlem uh, came to Philadelphia to uh, perform. Arthur Mitchell had been commissioned by something called the Eucharistic Congress, which is a religious lady organization. And um, and so he had been commissioned to do a work that was dedicated to the life of Dr. Martin Luther King, who had just recently uh, passed away. And, and the big draw for my city of Philadelphia was its uh, native Marion Anderson, the very famous uh, African-American contralto uh, uh, singer and who was a good friend of Arthur Mitchell's as well. Hmm. Uh, that was my first uh, uh, engagement with Dancer to Harlem in Philadelphia, Marion Anderson re- reading text and these dancers out there on these things I would eventually learn were called point shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that inspire you then to get into dance? Were you, were you begging your parents to um, get into classes or how exactly did that go down afterwards? Well, you know, I saw the performance. Uh, I clearly wanted dance classes. My dad wasn't that into it. Um, but eventually my mother took me uh, by the time I was 13 years old. I was very old um, when I started mm-hmm. um, and took me to uh, take classes at a school that she found in um, downtown Philadelphia. And so that's sort of how it started. It kind of happened very naturally. It was something that she thought I just would do well in. And did you always focus on ballet? Were you looking at other techniques too? What was that part of your well, brain like? The, the interesting thing was I started dancing at the same time at Pennsylvania Ballet, which oh. is now Philadelphia Ballet. Mm-hmm. So I was taking classes there and I was also taking classes at this something called the Philadelphia School for Dance Arts, where it was a, a, a school that was much like like way, way back in the 80s and the 70s. Uh, there was a place in New York called Clark a center, which was kind of a, a hub, a kind of a steps for the black dancers uh, at the time. Mm-hmm. So there was ballet, there was Dunham, there was Horton, there were all the different classes. Mm-hmm. And so that's the type of place I started dancing in as well. So the combination of the ballet and the other thing kind of put me on this path. And I eventually ended up dancing with what was then a small modern dance company in Philadelphia mm-hmm. called the Philadelphia Dance Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so went there and then I ended up in New York at Juilliard and marched my way over to dance in the Harlem after that. Right. I'm curious what made you decide if you're dancing professionally at such a young age, why did you think, okay, I want to take a step back and go to Juilliard for a second and, and sort of focus on the educational aspect before I go back to professional career. 
Well, you know, it was very odd. Uh, the, the company that I danced in, I at the time was 14 and 15 years old, but my, the people I danced with were um, um, 21, 22. Most had had undergrad degrees already and they were black, you know, and so it was like a very interesting group of people. But again, it was something that was done after either their school, their college work, or after their regular jobs. Some were bank tellers, some were you know, all kinds of just normal people, security guards right. that came together to do this art. But the fascinating thing about that period was that one day we looked up and Alvin Ellie was standing in the doorway and he began to hire those dancers. So there was a period when I was at Juilliard where the Ellie company had about six or seven members from the Philadelphia Dance Company mm. as a part of their professional company uh, and sort of started kind of um, kind of a, a, a kind of a mop place where talent kind of went through before they went to the Ailey company. Right. So that's sort of how that happened. So I was a baby of the bunch, mm-hmm. uh, but, but uh, and being that baby of the bunch, you know, my, my mom was like, you're going to go to college. Everybody was like, you're going to go to college. Right. So I went, you know, and went yeah. to the And so then from there, were you thinking, so Ailey's around, is that something that you had your eye on or was it always Dance Theater of Harlem? I love that that was like the beginning of your origin story. It's, it's such a beautiful well, you know. Yeah, I lived with a very famous dancer with Ailey at the time. His name was Gary DeLoach. Um, and the deal was, I go on the road with Ailey and you watch my plants. And it was a horrible plant. <laughs> but, but he let me live there for the entire time I studied at Julia. Wow, yeah. And, um, and then it got to the awkward moment when it was like, you know, I think I'm going to go to Dance Theater of Harlem. Like the expectation of a lot of people was that I was going to go to Ailey and I decided mm. to go to Dance Theater of Harlem. And, uh, and it was funny because people would always say, um, so why did you decide to go to Ailey? I mean, go to Dance in Harlem instead of Ailey after living around those people for so long. And, and then they would answer their own question by saying the rep. I was like, yeah, it's the rep. It's right. the repertory. Right. Everything that I've read of, from your previous interviews, it's you're a big bunhead, right? You, you like ballet a lot, which is, I mean, that's uh, yes. what we come from too. <laughs> right. <laughs> I really do. I really do. I found that, you know, well, classical ballet did not draw me. When I began to really understand um, that that uh, the balancing aesthetic fit me was when I got to Dance City of Harlem and started learning that work. And it was literally the dance for dance sake that I had practiced in the Black modern dance environment. Mm-hmm. It was the same approach. Mm-hmm. There was no story. It was about the movement. And so I caught into it very well, you know. A lot of my instructors at Juilliard were very happy because there was a huge, like, kind of row between the Balanchine folks and the Juilliard folks at that time. But that's mm-hmm. that's for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were some of the first Balanchine works that you danced that made you kind of get this feeling of like, oh, I this is right for me and right for my body? Oh, God. You know, uh, from what, viewing the ballet as we because, you know, Ballets go through, especially the balancing aesthetic, a lot of different adjustments and right. stuff. Right. Right. Uh, and so, but the version of Four Temperaments that Dance of Harlem did, I believe, is the quintessential version of how the ballet should always have been danced. And that was mm-hmm. my first uh, first rehearsal in a balancing ballet in a role that Arthur Mitchell danced, that he, and right. he was rehearsing me, which was phlegmatic. Ah. Yeah, it was good, but it was uh, it was an unfortunate day because the night before he called me like in 
a foreign city, a little tipsy. (laughs) 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 And so the next day he was not happy with me. And I was like, I did. I I don't know. I, I always tell people, I don't know what I did. I said, I know I just did the best I can. And he was fine after that. (laughs) Let's let's talk a little bit about him because uh, we always say we were in communication with him to have him on the podcast right before he passed away. And so we're so sad we never got the chance to talk to him, but we love talking with dancers who have had that one-on-one experience with him. So what was it like dancing for him and working with him? And what was he like um, in these rehearsal environments? You know, it's so funny uh, going back to that. and, And we were in, what city were we in? I believe it was it was South America, definitely, mm-hmm. and I believe it was uh, Caracas, wow. and um, and so, like I said, me and my roommate have been hanging out, mm-hmm. you know. And so he, what I didn't realize, which I'm about to realize, mm-hmm. is that when he got to a city, he didn't go to his room and then figure out what to eat, you know, and hang out. He actually had to go meet with presenters. Right meet with the, the people that brought them there. Like he had a whole agenda. Mm. And so he was coming back from this agenda at the time. And so he saw myself and my friend, uh, Keith Thomas. And, um, and it was like a cartoon where, you know, the person starts really small, far away from you. And then as he get closer, they become <laughs> like nine, 10 feet tall. Uh-huh. And I remember him looking down at me and saying, young man, you're representing something larger than yourself. Oh. And then he walked away literally walked away and I was like, Oh wow. Okay. That's Mm. interesting. (laughs) You know, of course this was, um, dance at Harlem was founded, uh, at the, uh, at the, right at the very tail end of the civil rights movement, uh, and inspired by the untimely death of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So Arthur Mitchell took that seriously. Mm -hmm. He took it seriously. He not only embedded us with, of course, our background in ballet, but also our background as Black people. Um, it is I, one of the few places where, as a dancer, you, you held Balanchine in high esteem, and you also held Jeffrey Holder in high esteem, hmm. or Garth Fagan, or some of the other African-American choreographers that Arthur Mitchell always took a risk on hmm. in hiring. So, uh, so he was a wonderfully open, spiritual, and um, smart man. Mm-hmm. You know, we started the organization with $25,000 of his own money, you know, which which um, I was talking to our board the other day, actually. I was like, I wish we could figure that out, you know, and what today's dollars was. And someone did. And they said that would be $200,000. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. You know, it's really kind of amazing. But he said that he learned that from uh, 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 the church. He said his mother told him to tie 10% to the church yeah. and tie 10% to yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and he just always did it. He always did, you know, and so he ended up having some seed money along with uh, Cicely Tyson helping as well Mm -hmm. to found the organization. Right. I I love that. It seems like he was he was teaching you how to present yourself as people, too. I mean, it seems like he was a, a mentor in a larger way than just like, let's make good dancers. And um, one of the ways that you've spoken about that I love is you said that he had you teaching, I think even running the school before you were at all ready, you felt ready to do that. And you said it took years, but that he was creating something like harnessing a talent in an individual that maybe that person didn't even realize was there yet. You know, to this day, and it it bothers me a bit. um, It bothers me a bit with my education at Juilliard and any of the uh, higher 
college uh, kind of uh, uh, programming that happens that they don't uh, tell the dancers enough about the business of dance, mm-hmm. you know? So I came out with a lot of dance experience, but, you know, I was at Dance in Harlem. I was an apprentice. I was a soloist. I was eventually a principal. Then Mr. Mitchell allowed me to choreograph my first ballet. But then he told me I had to go around the corner and talk to some woman. Some woman, her name was Patricia Brownstein. I was like, who is Patricia Brownstein? He's <laughs> like, well, you have to go talk to her. Tell her about the ballet that you're doing, blah, blah, blah. I later learned she was a development director. Mm-hmm. You know? And I had no idea. No idea. Because for me, all that existed was Arthur Mitchell and my ballet mistress. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know? And so... And I think he was aware of that, you know, that that was about to become a huge deficit right. um, in terms of our learning. So he implanted in all of us the, that idea. So it's no no mistake that at Ailey, we have Melanie Person, who is co uh, runs the school there as a former, and she was a former dancer, a Harlem dancer, Alicia Graf Mack of Juilliard, mm-hmm. is running a program there. And Dion Figgins has taken over Ballet Tech. Uh, after Elliot Feld, mm-hmm. of all people, you know, so so he somehow weirdly embedded in his environment something bigger than just learning to be a dancer. Hmm. Hmm. Did you feel like there was a moment where he kind of saw that in you, right? Where like maybe he saw that you might have a leadership quality, that he saw that you might have a knack for choreography. Did you feel like there was a moment where he kind of started looking at you in that way, too? There, there, there was, there was. I um, had choreographed, uh, one of our colleagues had passed away an untimely death due to uh, AIDS, actually. Um, and so I choreographed a solo for Virginia uh, for his memorial. And so he was aware of it through that, but again, that was a memorial. Right. But over the years, he did see me as, as moving or, or wanting to do more in that arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arthur Mitchell is the only person that ever hired Bessie Schoenberg to be on staff. Bessie Schoenberg is a great composition teacher who also has the Bessies named after her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with uh, uh, Arthur Mitchell hired her and she worked with both the school and she worked with the company as well mm-hmm. on dan- with dancers that wanted to pursue uh, careers. Uh, Donald Byrd. Spectrum Dance Theater uh, is one of those people from that program, and and the list goes on. So um, again, Arthur Mitchell was always thinking ahead of himself in that regard, and saw Bessie as someone that could uh, well, do great things at Dance Theater Harlem for the dancers that wanted to do work. Right. What were some of your early works like? What what kind of made you get a an itch to choreograph? You know, it, it's really strange. I, I when, when I started dancing with the company, it was nearing the end of Virginia's tenure of, as a ballerina with us. Mm-hmm. And, and we were doing like really, really huge opera houses. So all the ballets were like humongous, like Fall River Legend and Giselle, A Streetcar Named Desire by Valerie Bettis and... And there were other works that we did. We were still doing the Balanchine, but some of the uh, uh, theater stuff mm-hmm. that we did, that was a lot of Virginia near the end of her career that she did, kind of always stuck with me. So early on, I was doing like these really huge things and, 
and uh, they have moving parts. And, you know, and I was also fascinated by some of Mr. Balanchine's work in that regard as well. His Libra's leader, Walter, mm. had that, you know, like that, mm-hmm. that was also there too. I was discovering Balanchine in that way, you know, and then after a while, you know, I, I did well, but then I went hugely over budget on a John Adams ballet. <laughs> and so then, and Mr. Mitchell came to me, he was a young man. Ah. Next time, it's lights and tights. That's all it is, <laughs> is lights and tights. That's so and I was like, okay, you know, and so... Uh, my first hit came from that, which was mm-hmm. my ballet return, which is set to the music of James Brown and Aretha Franklin. And it's literally only costumes and lights, but it really went and, and a small cast to 12 people, you know? Right. And, uh, and that's when I really learned that you don't need like Fall River legend churches that turn into houses mm-hmm. that turn into gallows. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like you don't need all that. You right. can really do, you can do what you always loved. Uh, right. Robert, which was which was dance for dancing. Right. Can you talk a little bit about that decision to use popular music and how how that still resonates with you and and why you're still using it compared to I mean you've used Bach and other great classical composers before. What made that switch for you or made that musically interesting? Well, you know, in order to tell efficiently. Uh, the African-American trajectory in America, you have to at one point pass through the standard bearers of of our culture. Um, And there's that. And quite honestly, when I did return, it was right at the beginning, I think, of the very aggressive advertising that we've all become used to seeing. Mm -hmm. Advertising with music and jingles. And when I say music... I don't mean, because there was a day, in fact, if, if I'm old enough to remember the TV series Bewitched, yeah. but, but the, the husband of Bewitched was a jingle writer. Mm-hmm. Like, they used to hire jingle writers. Like, this, this song, and blah, 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 you know? <laughs> and so they, they jettisoned the jingle writer, and in came the African-American music. Mm-hmm. And so, which was a little troublesome for me, because I felt that this music held much more than just its ability to sell a hamburger. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? So so that's sort of where I went with both Return and then my latest ballet, Higher Ground, which is re- reflective of the current zeitgeist that we're experiencing in terms of social justice within America. Let's talk right. about um, this piece, Higher Ground. It's set to the music of Stevie Wonder. It's going to be at um, Performing Arts Houston, February 3rd and 4th. Um, tell us a little bit about that, the impetus for this particular work. You know, but right before the pandemic, it was choreographed in 2019, okay. the ballet. Uh, I, I saw what was happening in the world, with the current, you know, politics of the administration that was in power at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remembered, oh, and then, um, and then there was an impeachment, you know, Mm-hmm. And so for, for, for when I was growing up, um, I remember there was a song with one of the songs in the ballet that I used, You Haven't Done Nothing, which was uh, a Stevie Wonder's message to then President Nixon, mm-hmm. who had uh, uh, escaped impe- impeachment, but probably would have been right. if mm-hmm. he had not resigned. Right. And so I remember as a child being trying to understand and put that together in my head that, wow, like this really powerful person clearly has done enough 
for not only uh, the, 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 uh, the, the country to act, but also one of my favorite musical artists mm-hmm. to, to step into the fray of that. And ever since that moment, I've, Stevie Wonder has always been uh, kind of the standard bearer. Uh, I call him the conscience of Black America. Or I say, it, mm-hmm. I, I, well, the full statement is that Black people are the conscience of America, then Stevie Wonder is the conscience of Black America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's not for nothing that who was down in Georgia for the recent runoff election? Stevie Wonder. Who played uh, the, an anthem in California for the first Black female mayor of Los Angeles, Stevie Wonder, you mm-hmm. know? So so he is really that person, mm-hmm. uh, just an icon. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like anytime you see or hear an interview with any, like, any other musical icon, and they always say, like, they would not be who they are without Stevie Wonder. So I think paying tribute to him through dance is just such a, a beautiful thing to have. Yeah. Exactly. You know, we... we um. So, so I, I choreographed the ballet, um, which was reflective of that moment in 2018 and 2019. Then we went into the pandemic. The ballet never premiered in 2020, mm-hmm. as it was supposed to have. Then we had the George Floyd protests. And so then we came out on the other side of all of that with the premiere of this ballet. And weirdly, the ballet fit exactly what had occurred during the pandemic. So you didn't make um, changes to reflect the time. It, yes, and and um, and and I have to say, I I I, I really love the ballet. It, it is it is a, a theater ballet. It's not about dance, right? You know, but it says something. I think that I think is very important for people to not only witness orally, but also see physical bodies representing that. As- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Let's talk a little bit about your soon-to-be role as artistic director of the company. I think one thing that's really unique and wonderful about it is that DTH is now going to be one of the few companies that has this total through line. I mean, how much did you, of course, you were talking about Arthur, but like Virginia obviously had such an impact on you as well, and you are keeping that lineage. So what's one way that you think that that's going to impact or bring some um, consistency to the company's overall importance and um, place in ballet culture? You know, my um, uh, my career as a choreographer, I've always done a lot of work at Dance of Harlem, so I've had very little 
opportunity to 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 work outside of of, of my my current environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that said, whenever the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, has stepped in, I've always had an opportunity to be in a place for a protracted amount of time to watch really, really, or be with really, really important people. Mm -hmm. Um, Peter Martins was one of those people. Mm -hmm. You know, I worked with him for uh, uh, a collaboration with New York City Valley, which was over about a year and a half, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Monica Mason at the Royal Ballet, who was a wonderful, I just loved Monica Mm -hmm. and, and my time with her. And then uh, most recently, San Francisco, I'm premiering a ballet in January in San Francisco mm-hmm. um, with Helgi Tomasin, mm-hmm. you know, who is retiring. Um, but he got to see my ballet and has just had wonderful things to, mm-hmm. to just offer and say about that. So, so I say all that to say that our lineage is actually quite connected to a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, the dancing of Harlem lineage, of course, is that I danced with the company and that I worked directly with Arthur Mitchell. But it's even a little bigger than that. Um, I really, really believe that um, our alumni, um, even our board of directors, some of whom I've spoken with since the announcement of my moving into the artist director chair, mm-hmm. um, are all very unique people. And so um, it, it couldn't be any better. Um, I think one of the first decisions that I made was to have Ty Jimenez, a former ballerina with the company, uh, who, when the company went on that hiatus, I was a principal at Boston Ballet. Mm-hmm. She will be coming in as a school director. So it's just a very easy, easy fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other day, myself and Ty went to go see Alicia Graff uh, and her students at Juilliard in a new um, works concert. And, you know, it's it's just like we're family. We're just mm-hmm. family. I was I was actually laughing at Alicia because she was the most excited person in theater, like <laughs> whooping and yeah. you know, like, I'm like, I, I was like, Ty, look at Alicia. Oh, my God. She's losing her mind. It's so cute. <laughs> <This is> so <laughs> cute. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah I, so. I love yeah. Ty so much. And I have to say, like, when I think of someone that would run a school well, like and in terms of temperament, like yes. Ty, Ty came in. I was there in BB2 when she came in as a principal, which is already a hard thing to do if you don't know many people and you're coming in at the top. But she was, I think, the, always the kindest principal to the youngest people, you know? Mm. So I, I myself am insecure about being there and building my relationship in this new company fresh out of school. But Ty was always just there with like her warmth and generosity. So I just yes, such a wonderful person to, to be she running. She is a wonderful, wonderful person. And I'm so excited. I didn't know that, Michael, actually. I have to <laughs> tell her. Time, yeah. <laughs> we have to get her on the pod. That would be so oh, fun. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, sure. sure. Okay, we'll yeah. talk after this to get that <laughs> um, figured out. But I, I really think that it speaks so much to the organization, the way that so many people, even if they leave, they come home, come back to Dance Theater of Harlem, because that's just not something that you always see. And I think it says something too about the leadership that they also want these people with the DNA of the company to come back. And I wonder what it means to you to kind of have Arthur Mitchell's like sign off on this a little bit, right? Like he did see you in a position of leadership. And now, even though he's not here, you must feel a little bit like he would have approved of your being appointed the artistic director. You know, there was, was, was some conversation um, initially before Virginia came on 
about whether I would fit into that role at that moment. Mm. But he said specifically to me, he said, you know, he's like, I really want you to just live your life creating work for, you know, a second more because he knew, he knew that, you know, that other thing is another thing, mm-hmm. you know. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just overjoyed that I'm able to, at this moment, uh, do this work because mm-hmm. I feel like it's extremely timely and I kind of feel like he might have known that it was going this way to right. begin with. You know? oh, right. Make you feel good. Can you tell us a little bit about um, some of your plans for the company? Like what, what things you feel right now are very strong and that you want to hold on to and bolster and what things you're looking to maybe expand or, or change in the, in the future? You know, of course I, I, I am interested in uh, uh, continuing our uh, kind of uh, relationship with um, Mr. Valentine's legacy. I think it's important uh, in, in so many different ways. And I'm hoping that I can even uh, draw a more detailed picture because sometimes uh, Arthur Mitchell's life gets watered down to the black guy that was in New York City Ballet and the guy that started a company for black people. Mm-hmm. You know, but there was a tremendous amount of um, intellectual curiosity uh, that he had that I'm hoping to kind of uplift a little more just, just in terms of the history of the man himself. Right. You know, and for the organization itself, I really would like to have a larger company, a larger company uh, that that could do uh, larger works. Um, I did a um, competition in Brazil um, about right before the pandemic, about I think 2018. And um, I went down and uh, there was a woman I met who was on the panel with me. And she said, Mr. Garland, Mr. Garland. I'm one of the dancers that danced with Arthur Mitchell before he made Dance of Harlem. I did not know that Mr. Mitchell had been going to Brazil for two years mm-hmm. before forming Dance of Harlem. It was pretty much a done deal. And he was so moved by the death of Dr. King that he went back. And as this woman said, you know, she said, you know, we were really sorry when he came back and said, you know, I'm going to stay in America. I'm going to start a company there in the community I come, come, came from, but they said they also understood. Mm-hmm. So part of moving forward for me is sort of completing that promise. I, I and the organization are still very much connected to Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still, still wonderful, fabulous Brazilians and Afro-Brazilians there that mm-hmm. uh, are, are fabulously talented and looking to work. And so that's part of my, one of the things moving forward. I call it completing the promise, completing the promise. I love that. So that's, that, that's, that's one, of my, one of my big, big top 10 goals. And then on that note, also uh, reaching out to other places, you know, like there are, are ballet schools. And I was talking to a colleague, a former Dance Theater Harlem alum, Ayun Harrison, who's a, a professor at Duke now. Uh, Jamaican, I was like, I was like, Ayun, like, where are the Jamaican ballet dancers? Where are the Dominican Republic ballet dancers? Like, mm-hmm. they're there, but but the, our communication with them has gotten become very stilted and kind of slight. Mm-hmm. So things like that, I'm really so interested in, and because we were always part of a internationalized uh, group of dancers, and so I want to find them again. Right. I feel like um, part of the. Um, model of having 
uh, choreographer, artistic directors has changed. Now you have a lot of people that either are not interested or they prefer to kind of punt that um, <laughs> opportunity to other people that are maybe more experienced or just more distinguished at it. So how do you feel like your role as choreographer is going to impact um, your role as artistic director and what benefits that might bring to the position? You know, I, I think that I think my role is going to be developing choreographers, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and I start to figure out exactly how that's going to go. Right. But um, it's very, it's a very, very, you know, being, thrown, for instance, in the San Francisco in the, uh, program that I'm about to be a part of, mm-hmm. there are nine choreographers, you know, um, that I, I'm at varying uh, uh, levels of kind of experience with an organization that is that big, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes I'm looking at what some of the choreographers are doing right now. And feeling that if they had a little more of a, of a support system underneath them, mm-hmm. that they could make choices that would be better not only for themselves, but also for the institution. Right. You know, at times, um, the institution's goals and how they operate can be at loggerheads with the, with, uh, the choreographer. And it right. doesn't have to be, or, or you don't have to wait until that point, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And so, so part of my um, role, as I see it, is supporting, creating uh, choreographers and artists that uh, are, are a little more understanding of the whole. This goes back to that other conversation, just understanding the whole picture, mm-hmm. the big picture. Right. I, I was actually going to ask that because since Arthur Mitchell did offer you um, this template sort of for um, exploring outside of just your role as a dancer or a choreographer, how how are you thinking that you might also do the same for the dancers of this generation? You know, I'm giving them opportunities, opportunities that are crafted, but also that are guided. Right. Um, I I had a wonderful, I have to say, uh, there there were parts about my Juilliard experience just because of the nature of the time that were challenging as a Black person. But the training itself, both musically and in terms of composition, and then also the work, Mm -hmm. um, I really feel that the work meaning the dance work what I got to see, mm-hmm. um, I think was so instrumental in uh, creating me, you know? And so one of the things that I'm really, really hell bent on is having choreographers study classic works. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and for our environment, you know, they do that in music all the time. Like you really can't become a musician unless you know Bach. Or if you're a painter, you got to be able to do a, some kind of a nude, <laughs> you know, like, or something, or, you know, like they're, 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 they've created these kind of stepping stones of experience. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like some ballets that, that are not produced now, um, one, sometimes mon- money reasons, two, sometimes interest, mm-hmm. but, all, but, but sometimes are, are made to, to educate, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that way you won't have people saying, where are all the female choreographers? And I was like, have you ever seen Lenos? Like, have you ever seen the Jenskis Lenos? Like, just stop it. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, and sure, we could always have more female choreographers, more female leadership, but you must contextualize all of that. And, and uh, for instance, uh, there's a, there's a, a, 
a ballet called um, by Nijinska, uh, Le Biche. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Le Biche. we were just recently yeah. talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Le Biche has a transgendered role in it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the lead role that Virginia did with us mm-hmm. is actually a guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? you know, that, that, that is trans, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and, and, and it's, and it's an hysterical ballet. It's so good. Yeah. So good. So someone was somewhere and they were like, we need to start this. No one's ever done that. And I was like, no, Nijinska did it. Yeah. <laughs> no, Nijinska did it. Right. So, <laughs> so DTH has long been an extensive touring, had, had an extensive touring schedule. I'm wondering how you feel like historically that's been important to the company. And if that's something, obviously, you know, the company's going to Houston shortly. Like, is that something that you're hoping to continue? And um, if you know what your interest in touring is, you know, it's, it's always striking a balance, you know, mm-hmm. um, our, our touring is great, but I'm also very much interested in creating a larger footprint in New York city, mm-hmm. you know, so that's part of, you know, just for out of necessity because mm-hmm. we are board of directors is here, you know, mm-hmm. but yes, touring will definitely remain as part of a part of our, um, make a best an organization or as a company mm-hmm. uh, because there are people out there that need to still see us, need to still experience us. Right. right. So. so just before we wrap up, we love to ask this question of artistic directors. If you had one dream production, one dream project for dance theater of Harlem, you have no budget. There's no problem. You can go over budget if you want, just like you have before we hear <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Is there something that you would just really love to do with the company? Well, we're coming up on our anniversary of Creole Giselle uh, in 2024, 2025. Uh, Creole Giselle was already setting the Giselle in uh, Louisiana. Um, I am so, so wanting to redo that idea. Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, stay tuned is all I can say right ah. now. <laughs> do, you, do you have an idea when the last time the company performed that was? The full thing was way back in the early 90s. Mm. Right? Yeah, you know, but it became much too expensive to tour. Mm-hmm. You know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's so beautiful. So I have some, I have some ideas. <laughs> Ooh, keep us yeah. posted on that. That sounds very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. dying to see that again you know we had a great success during the pandemic when we aired the television recording well we we, did, we premiered a television version on nbc in the 80s in the late 80s mm-hmm. so we rebroadcast that during the pandemic because everybody was doing that yeah right. and uh, it got so so was so successful and people were like wow that was mm-hmm. amazing so looking to do that again yeah and i, th- I think with the women in the company right now i mean mm-hmm. we've We've already talked about like we, I watched that Corsair Odalis clip yes. like a million uh-huh. times. You know, it's yeah. like, I think you have, you've got a deep bench of ballerinas that I'm sure are chomping at the bit <laughs> yes. to do real. Just Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We really enjoyed speaking with you and we hope that everyone in the Houston area will um, see you guys February 3rd and 4th at Performing Arts Houston. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.